The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics And welcome to another episode of Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies. Merck, do your thing. What's going on? What's going on, everyone? Got a lot to talk about. We want to jump right into it. So, of course, we got myself, Big Merce. We got Mr. Blue, Captain America in the background. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just get started. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the day, uh, I just want to give a quick blurb about the, the Million MAGA March and the fact that it was a failure. And here's the thing about that. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. it was, it's not really newsworthy. It's basically a whole bunch of MAGAs came out to, you know, celebrate Trump's false victory. And then they were fighting in the streets and stuff like that once it got dark because of, you know, going up against counter protesters. The thing that made me laugh and want to mention it is that they really thought that like a million people came out. And of course, none of them have masks on. <laughs> you know, even this picture is like, you. I see like two people with masks on, no one else has masks on. We, we lead the world in coronavirus cases and deaths and nobody really gets it. So it was basically just a super spreader event on a, on a massive scale out in DC. You know, just an excuse for the Proud Boys start punching people but you figure when people you know they're proud of their pictures of the million MAGA march all you gotta do is compare it to the actual million man march that happened back in the 90s and you will just see the huge difference in the crowd size to just know you know they figured hey you know 71 million of us voted we're the, we're the largest voting block yeah but you lost because the even larger voting block voted you out so what do you think was going to happen? But in also another advantage of the, of the Million Man March was that they had time planning. I had friends that went. You know, I was still living in New York at the time. Million Man March was in D.C. So my friends planned and then they went out there, you know. But uh, just the fact that tens of thousands of people came out there, I mean, that was enough of a success. But no, Kaylee McEnany on your stupid Twitter account wasn't even it wasn't even close to a hundred thousand, much less a million people. So, better luck next time. They should just change the name to just a bunch of magas as opposed to a million maga march. So, but let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. Dun, 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 dun. I want to talk about uh, Betsy DeVos, and I know what you're thinking. Why would I be talking about Betsy DeVos? because there's a very important dynamic behind Betsy, okay? Betsy DeVos, basically, her family does uh, Amway, right? And if you ever watch John Oliver's show, right? All, you know, the main parts of his shows are on uh, on YouTube. Look up the episode called Multi-Level Marketing, and they'll mention Amway, okay? Amway is basically just a legal Ponzi scheme. And basically, there's a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of Amway products in their garage that they can't sell 
right? And that they're on the hook for. And that's basically Betsy DeVos's family. Like the Amway Center in Orlando. I think it's in Orlando. You know, just the fact that they have a stadium named after them. And that's where Betsy DeVos's family is from. Only reason why Betsy DeVos became Secretary of Education is because her family donated like millions and millions of dollars to the Republican Party. Okay. But also, she was elected to that position because she has zero experience in education. She's not a teacher. She's never even gone to public school. So how did she become Secretary of Education? Now, the reason why I bring her up, not just because all my friends who are teachers are ecstatic that she's going to be on her way out, and that Joe Biden is already trying to get his people to undo her damage, right? But you figure it like this. It's not like somebody who Trump just says, I want you to have the job, and then you have the job, and there's no say. She was confirmed in the Senate, okay? So you figure somebody as horribly unqualified as she is, in her, in her hearings, they were asking her simple questions, and she had no clue what these people were talking about. So the question is, who put their name on this piece of shit candidate for Secretary of Education? Basically, all but two Republicans voted. So uh, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins voted against her. And uh, it ended up being, because of that, ended up being 50-50. So no Democrats voted for her. Not even Joe, not even whack-ass Joe Manchin voted for her. And basically Mike Pence had to come in and break the tie to get her elected. But here's the thing. Why would Republicans put their name on this piece of shit candidate? It's because she was there to do a job. And her job was basically to break the education system. Because that's how they keep people voting Republican. Because if you ask Republicans about the issues, they don't know the issues. And they don't care to know the issues. They do what they're told. You know, and then turn around and call other people sheeple when they basically just do what they're told. They're programmed to not believe the news that, so this way when they're confronted with the truth, then they're like, oh, it, it's just fake news, right? That's not something that just happens. That's something that people are conditioned into. And they're conditioned into it because uh, we have a horrible education system. Now, here's the thing. Our education system was not that great long before Betsy DeVos got the position. So I'm not going to say like she uh, broke it. It was already broken. Because even before Betsy DeVos, we were already, you know, bottom of the barrel in a lot of, you know, compared to other countries in like math, reading, science and stuff like that. You know, we're, we're more concerned with scores than actual learning. And most of my teacher friends could tell you that, you know, and I'm not talking about teachers, people who've been teaching for like two, three years, and people who've been teaching for like decades. You know, but it's a long to keep people dumb because, and, and I don't want to be a jackass about it. I don't want to say dumb people. <laughs> I don't want to come out and say, you know, just dumb people vote Republican. That's not fair, you know. But you figure 
a lot of Republicans do end up voting. Hell not, that ain't fair. Look how many black people always voted a straight ticket only for their un- un- undoing. So yeah, you can't yeah. call it that because they vote that way. It's like you can't, you don't want to call the other ones that because they voted that way. Yeah, you know, but you figure a lot of times these people are voting against their own self-interest. You know, they're taught that uh, having government-run healthcare is bad for you, even though uh, Medicare, Medicaid, the VA, they're all government run. And they are 10 times more efficient than private healthcare because they're only putting what, four or 5% of their, uh, what they take in an overhead. They had to cap it at 20% for private insurance because in government run healthcare, there's no CEO making $40 million a year. So, they're just taught to go against to just, you know, worry about stuff like abortion, gay marriage, trans rights and stuff like that. Stuff that doesn't really matter in the long run. Because if two men get married in Omaha, Nebraska, if a woman has an abortion in Tallahassee, Florida, that's not going to affect how much money you make at your job. You know? And I, and I do believe a big part of that is how kids are taught and especially in poorer areas, which are mostly like a lot of Republican areas, when they ruin the budget, what's the first thing to go? Education. They cut education to the bone to pay for when they give all the money to the rich. So Betsy DeVos was just there to do a, uh, she was there to do a hit job, a hatchet job. And then not only that, but to monetize as much of, of the stuff as humanly possible. So you figure, I would say that whoever's gonna become a new secretary of education, is going to spend maybe their first couple of years fixing everything that Betsy DeVos ruined. And that's usually the way it goes. Republicans ruin stuff, Democrats have to fix it and then get yelled at because they didn't fix it fast enough. So, I mean, you could call Betsy DeVos a failure, but it all depends on what side you look at it as. Because if you look at it from the Republican side, especially the ones who voted for her, she, she did a fantastic job. Name some of the things that she did while in term. And and you know what? I knew he was going to ask me that. <laughs> I knew he was going to ask me that. Because I was like, I could not get a list together fast enough. But think of it like this, though, right? Um, one of the things that came up recently was about, um, about student loans, okay? And um, not student loans, I apologize. I apologize for getting caught for getting caught fly footed on this part. But there oh, you know what it was? It was about um uh forgive me. <laughs> but um it was more about uh she was supposed to be giving out uh not forbearance. I'm I'm I'm, I'm fudging that part up i apologize i know one of the things she did is like she declined like 99.9 percent of yes. people who was trying to get forgiveness for their student loans yes that was- that's what i was that's what i was thinking of yeah so i mean you know she was trying to shift a lot of money toward charter schools and away from public education and trying to get that money shifted over to charter schools so it's basically taking public money and putting it toward private schools. She's a huge proponent of charter schools, you know? And 
anybody who's ever gone to a charter school or had to deal with charter schools in their neighborhood, it's a mixed bag, you know? But basically it's private schools. Here in, here, they, here in Durham, charter, sh- shoot, charter schools are the cream of the crop. And like I said, that's why I said it's a mixed bag because some of them are actually pretty good, you know? But the big fight with charter schools is basically they're trying to take uh, public funding away from public schools who desperately need it and then putting it toward uh, charter schools. So that's all, that's been a big fight and depending on the area that you live in, you know, it could be a bigger fight, could be a smaller fight, but it's usually a fight because public schools are already You figure uh, if you live in certain areas, right? where they pay for, uh, you know, it's paid for school tax, right? If you live in areas where, you know, houses aren't worth that much, then they're not bringing that much school tax. And then those schools end up being underfunded. And then if those kids don't make the grade, so to speak, then they get even less funding. So. Right, Title One schools, you're right. So it's, it's going to be an arduous task to, to come up from under this whole thing that Betsy DeVos did. But like I said, it was done by design. You know, why would you put somebody with zero education experience in there? That's exactly why. So Betsy, you, you did your job well, which is basically just sabotaging an already ruined uh, education system in America. So. Mr. Blue, what do you have on your mind today? Oh, you're on mute. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the Republican convention this year, the Republican party chose to adopt no policy positions aside from continue to enthusiastically support the president's America first agenda. But to go one step further, the party resolved to adopt no other political positions until the 2024 convention. Given this, it would appear that the Republican Party has undeniably tied itself not only to President Trump, but to Trumpism more directly. While they could easily go back and change their policy positions to cut ties with the president, they haven't shown any indication as yet to do so. So what does supporting the president's America First agenda look like when the president is no longer the president? In the event that Trump starts his own news agency upon leaving office, would the Republican Party essentially be tied to the agenda of a news organization? Merck, your thoughts? Yeah, the the problem that some of these Republicans have that is that they are, they're terrified of Trump, you know? Not of Trump himself, but basically his followers, you know? They, you figure like this, all the people who really wanted to do away with Trump, they ended up becoming never Trumpers and literally joined the Democratic Party. You know, people like uh, John Kasich and Anna Navarro and people like that. Everyone who's left, they just figure, hey, listen, you know, I've got to win my elections. And I know that if I go against Trump now, uh, they're going to turn on us. I mean, you figure there's already droves of people walking around saying Fox News sucks because Trump is feuding with Fox News. And Fox News is like uh, like the number one news channel out there right now for obvious reasons, you know? 
But I think, I mean, you figure someone like uh, Mitch McConnell, right? That's basically a means to an end because by him working with Trump, he got to put in a whole bunch of Republican judges with lifetime appointments, you know? So with him, it served a purpose. For everybody else, it just basically was just a matter of survival. Because it, for the Republicans, it's kind of like having Frankenstein's monster where, you know, you work so hard to build this monster, but now you're horrified when the monster starts drowning little girls, you know? So they, they deserve what they get. But, you know, it's the Republicans. So it's basically, they, they have the, uh, the classy Freddie Vlassie philosophy. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> now, I, I, I will say this. As uh, a progressive, we're supposed to be more compassionate, right? We care about people other than ourselves and our own families. We care about what happens in our community. We care what happens to people we don't know or people we've never met, right? Now, Joe Biden's won the election. And the question comes up, should we mock Trump supporters, right? Should we, should we spike the football? Should we, you know, get in their faces and make fun of them, you know? And I say, I say, yeah. <laughs> you knew that answer was coming. I say, yeah, but let's not go crazy with it. You know, even the people that win, like Lindsey Graham should still be mocked because Lindsey Graham was basically shitting his pants on national television when he was getting outraised by his opponent. Because don't forget, Jamie Harrison, he wasn't getting all that money from South Carolina. You had, you know, housewives in Boise, Idaho, who were like, oh, I hate Lindsey Graham. Who's running against him? Jamie Harrison, here, here's $10, you know? But if it was a national race, Lindsey Graham would have got curb stomped. But of course, unfortunately, it's a South Carolina race. So people in South Carolina are voting. <laughs> and then what do we say about people voting against their own self-interest? South Carolina is not, like a lot of other states are just not good at that. But do I think we should mock Trump supporters? Yes, absolutely. Do I think that we should do it for four years in a row? No. Because <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have other things to do, you know? Because now we got to get on Joe Biden's case and make sure he does his job right so we don't have President Tucker Carlson in 2024 or Trump running, you know? So we got we got work to do. So at least until the inauguration, yeah, we should mock Trump supporters. But after that, we got work to do. We're not gonna we're not gonna put uh, Biden flags on our trucks and drive around with them. You know, we're not gonna do that. You know why? Because we're because because we're adults. We're not little kids, and we're not idiots. Put it like this, okay? I pulled some tweets today from. Uh, MAGA and MAGA 2020 from uh, from Twitter, okay? This one is from Matt Batzel, and he says, Breaking, Disability Service Coordinator blows whistle on vote fraud in group homes in Milwaukee, right? And this is from, his website is uh, News Talk 
1130. Matter of fact, it's not even a real site. It's it's an iHeartRadio thing. Now, yes, we're we're a, a you know we're a podcast, right? But here's the thing: if you have voter fraud, if you witness voter fraud, right? You can't just go and say there's voter fraud. You have to sign an affidavit saying that what you said is true. And then they can go ahead and investigate it. There's no affidavit signed on this. This is just somebody saying, hey, this is voter fraud. You can't do that, right? One dude who calls himself, I am Shane Browning. He comes up and he was like, we hashtag MAGA are the champion. They spell R just the letter R. What are you the champion of? What did you win? Y'all lost. Now you didn't lose as bad as as you should have lost, you know, but you lost. So what are you the champions of? And then he and then he played "We Are the Champion" from Queen on his on his Twitter feed. That that's original. Somebody had one that said um, they made a meme and that they have a picture of Joe Biden saying "You ain't black." You know, that whole quote that he had. And then below it is a picture of Clarence Thomas saying, and you ain't president. Here's the problem. Using Clarence Thomas in that picture, that's not going to go to Supreme Court. You know why? Because there's no evidence of voter fraud. So to go to Supreme Court, you can't just go to Supreme Court and say, hey, give me the election. Right? There is not going to be a... There is no chance like that, like there was in 2000, right? And even then, the case in 2000, those Supreme Court justices at the time said straight up, you can't use this as precedent for other instances because it was a unique case. So using the Clarence Thomas, that's just because Trump, you know, they figured, okay, we'll get our girl in there so she can give us the election yeah, it's not really working like that. Some black Republican named Gideon had a picture of Trump saluting and says, you are the best fit for the job. Let me tell you something, Gideon. You have at least, I don't know, uh, 190, 100, 200 more characters. Why don't you tell us why he's the best fit for the job? Can't do that, can you? Here's one that's kind of funny to me. Some dude, some redneck named trucker daddy and he says all right this one gave me the chuckles so he has net worth before running for president he has trump at 4.5 billion questionable he has obama at three million dollars and he has hillary at four hundred eighty thousand dollars. all those figures are wrong obama was not a millionaire when he ran for president hell he still had he, he and michelle still had student loans to pay Okay, um, Hillary was already a multimillionaire before she ran for president in 2016. So where are they getting those numbers from? They're just making shit up because they know that idiots like Trucker Daddy are just gonna retweet it without even looking into it. And in the last one, somebody just says, the leftist heads must be exploding right now. Why? Why are our heads exploding? Hey, look, I'm just sitting in my living room watching TV, playing video games, writing for the show. And I'm I'm good. I'm not out in the street waving flags. I'm not out in the street yelling at people on TV. I'm not out in the streets marching for a lost cause. 
like Trump taking the election back. I'm not out there like that. One. Now, here's the thing. When I say we won, it's not because I'm a huge fan of Joe Biden, because I'm not. It's because Trump's no longer president. I'm one of that 68% that voted for Biden really because I was voting against Trump. But we're good. I, I post my memes, I'm good. You know, it, it's basically, if they were just, if it was just a matter of Democrats and Republicans looking for a similar goal, but just their guy didn't make it, I wouldn't even, I would even mock them or make fun of them. I'd be happy that my guy won and then try to be like, look, I know your guy didn't win, but I know we have a similar goal. You know, let's work together trying to achieve that goal. These fucking troglodytes, we don't have similar goals at all. So what is there to reach out to? So yeah, you're gonna get mocked mercilessly. That's why they're all running the parlor right now. One of my friends got an account on parlor just to see what it was like. And it's basically like, you know, he's he, he shared some screenshots, it's bullshit out there. You know what it is? It's basically just ads and dating sites. Yeah, basically <laughs> I joined, because um, Tracy joined, just to see what she kind of stuff she was gonna put on there that she wouldn't put on Facebook. It's a hot mess. Yeah. And supposedly, and actually I wasn't going to say this, but whoever they got this information got it from a Wall Street Journal. That site is created by the, uh, well, not created by, but funded by uh, the Mercer family, you know, who are uh, conservative billionaires. You said the Mercer family, like Mercer Prescott? Well, not like me, <laughs> but same name though, except that theirs is a last name. And yeah, they um, they fund a lot of uh, Republican and con you know conservative causes. You know, whenever they talk about like George Soros funding people, that's basically the Mercer family, is the the Republican side of that, along with the Koch brothers and you know all that. So, but they are they're supposedly funding this uh, this site. Trust me. If you're leaving Facebook, I joked about it on Facebook this evening. I was like, yo, shoot me your parlor handle so I can just delete you from my Facebook friends list. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, you dude, know. But I joined parlor. What are you saying? Well, I said, well, I was just joking. Maybe. Kind of, well, I mean, you're not joining because, I mean, you just joined us to check it out. See what's going on over there, which I was curious. I almost made a parlor uh, handle just to see what's going on over there. But I was just like, nah, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that alone. So, but yeah, like I said, you should mock them because of their just being this disjointed from reality and the fact that they were assholes for the last four years. But like I said, we got, we got other stuff to do. We're not gonna sit here for four years and, and ridicule you, you know, maybe, maybe another 30 days. <laughs> of, of memes before before we concentrate on Joe and putting the screws to him so we can get something out of this presidency so we can get something for our vote Mr. Blue what did you have uh, what else was on your mind today <clears throat> there's been a lot of discussion about the upcoming Georgia runoff 
Democrats are especially invested in this election because it would allow them alongside two independent senators to control the Senate or at least shut down with further control of the Senate. Georgia flipping from red to blue is seen as a major development in state politics, but does the choice to elect Biden by a very, very tiny margin translate to a decent likelihood of a significant Democrat victory in the Senate races? I personally think not. Mercer, your thoughts? I don't think so either. And it's because you figure this is a, a symptom of uh, of lack of enthusiasm for Biden. I was still trying to find those numbers and I could not find any solid numbers to back up what I've been hearing lately about a lot of people basically just filling out the top part of the ticket and just voting for Biden and not voting and not, and not just voting Republican down ticket, but not voting for anybody down ticket. I could not find anything to really to back that up as a significant number of people because they were saying like 28%. And I'm like, that does not sound right. That sounds pretty high. And I and like I said, I couldn't find anything to back it up. But I do know that there's really not that much enthusiasm for Biden. So usually when there's no enthusiasm for your candidate, there's usually not gonna be enthusiasm for the down ticket uh, ballots, unless of course you're putting in that work on the ground and that's the thing so you figure people like aoc put in the work even though she puts in a lot of her work digitally because of the whole covid 19 thing you figure um ilhan omar and um and uh rosita talib were putting in the ground you know putting the work on the ground to pretty much to help biden you know like i like i mentioned before they helped deliver minnesota and michigan to him although they got you know, shit on in return by these goofy ass uh, centrist Democrats who lost a lot of their races because they don't back Medicare for all. But do I think they, they're going to take those seats in Georgia based on the fact that they won, uh, you know, won the state? No, I don't think they are. You know, and not because I don't want them to, but they're just not. You know, because the enthusiasm for Biden's not there. And I do think that one of the things that's hurting is the fact that Donald Trump won't concede. So it's riling a lot of people up and, it's, and I think it's gonna drive a lot of Trump supporters to the polls in um, in January for this runoff. You know, Because you figure it like this, if these two win, and I was trying to find something to get this definitively because there's still, I believe there are still some other Senate races that haven't been called because there's still a lot of votes being counted in other states. Something that, that baffles me about Republicans is that they don't realize that, yeah, they still count votes long after the election's over. You know, it's basically just because once you win enough votes, usually the state will call it. Not the state, the media will just call it once enough votes have been have gone through. So in other words, yeah, they're, they're calling California with 50 with 60 percent of the vote but it's usually because uh, the Republican is down by 50 points and he's not gonna catch up, you know? The reason why, uh, why the media will call those states is because they're getting their information directly from uh, the Board of Electors in, uh, in those states. So they're not just guessing, they're getting their information straight from the source. And then when they feel enough votes have been cast, then they'll go ahead and, and call it. So you figure they're having these runoffs because, you know, according to their rules, no one got 50% of the vote. 
or more than 50% of the vote. So that's why they're having these runoffs. So if they win these seats and everything else goes into place, what's gonna happen is, is that there will be a 50-50 split. And that means that Kamala Harris will be the tiebreaker in all these, uh, all these major events. But you figure there's still a whole bunch of uh, corporate Democrats like Joe Manchin, who are probably gonna side with his Republican buddies. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be interesting. But you figure Stacey Abrams is going to be on the ground out there. There's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of heat, you know. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. AOC said something that was very interesting and kind of caught me. I was like, you know what, she may be right. It's not that Georgia is a red state. It's just that Georgia is is a suppressed state. You know, think about the last race with, um, with Brian Kemp. And the reason why he won that race is because of all the votes that he purged. Think of their whole voter ID law. Think of them saying, hey, you need voter, you need an ID to vote, but we're just gonna go ahead and eliminate all these DMVs in all these uh, urban areas so that you can't get the ID that you need to vote. So she made a, she made an excellent point about that. And you know, we'll have to see what happens in 2012 forget 2024 let's see what happens in january but i don't think that the democrats are going to pull it off and i will go ahead and blame joe biden (laughs) and i will just say that not because of what he did but what he doesn't do which is really excite people the only thing that's exciting is being rid of trump they're not they're not doing cartwheels over joe biden I, I, I get very tired of talking about Donald Trump because I figured by now there wouldn't be much to talk about. We could just go on to other things. We could go on to policy. You know, I, I, I am a little bit, not, not a lot, but a little bit of a policy wonk, you know? Which policies are gonna work? Which ones aren't gonna work? You know, uh, how we could tweak these to make it work for, for the most amount of people possible, you know? Instead, we gotta talk about Donald Trump's dumbass because he won't go away. They had an old skit from Saturday Night Live and I, I've gotten um, uh, a free thing about uh, Peacock, which is, uh, you know, the NBC app. And the only reason why I got it, I was mad because they only had like the last seven seasons of Law and & Order. And I was like, I really wanted all 20 seasons and they only had like seven seasons. I'm like, man, y'all suck. But they have all the seasons of Saturday Night Live. And they had a, uh, a skit with John Belushi. It was called The Thing That Wouldn't Leave. And it was basically just John Belushi at somebody's house and finding every excuse not to leave. And, you know, he just, and they, they played it like a, like a little horror movie. And, you know, just when they thought he was going to get ready to leave, he was like, hey, picture albums. Let's go through these picture albums. And they're like, no, that's basically Trump, The Thing That Wouldn't Leave. He won't go away. Now, the reason why, you know, it, it's basically what he's trying to pull off, even though he'll never succeed, is a, is a bloodless coup. Now, a bloodless coup is more of a, I, I call it more of a fantasy, because I can't really find examples of it, but there is a definition of it. It's basically a coup, a coup d'etat that happens where nobody gets hurt, nobody gets killed. 
And I don't know if there's ever, I mean, maybe there was a bloodless coup, which is why they have the turbo in the first place. But I can't really think of any. So basically Trump has exposed how fragile democracy is. And he's using that to his advantage. The fact that not only because how weak democracy is, but also how weak his opposition party is as to not really calling it out on, on his BS. You know, he breaks the law all the time. No one really calls him out on it. You know, yes, they did try to impeach him, right? And he did impeach him. They just couldn't force him out through the Senate. That is true. But here's the thing. Nancy Pelosi did not want to impeach. It was basically, they her people forced her hand, which is the only reason why she impeached and which is only why she only wanted to go after the one thing was that was, which is the Ukraine phone call, as opposed to just saying, hey, listen, we have one, it's not like we can impeach him like five times. We have one shot at this. Let's throw the emoluments clause. Let's throw everything in there. Kitchen sink them, let's go. And she didn't want to do that. She just narrowed the scope to the one thing and Donald Trump, and even though he was impeached in the in the, the House, they couldn't force him out in the Senate. You know, we all know why Donald Trump is sticking around, but then again, maybe we don't because there's so many different reasons as to why Donald Trump doesn't want to leave office because he doesn't want to do any work. He hasn't done any work since October. And they had articles about how his staff is just so frustrated with Trump because he doesn't work. He doesn't take any briefings anymore. He hasn't taken a coronavirus briefing since October. And we're what, a week and a half away from Thanksgiving? So coronavirus cases are spiking exponentially. Well, okay, that's, you know, maybe a bit much, but just think, I mean, if you just look at all the charts, you know, you figure California passed a million cases uh, and so did Texas, right? We lead the world in coronavirus deaths. We lead the world in coronavirus cases, even though we are what, 5% of the country? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, 5% of the population. So we're 5% of the population and yet we are 25% of coronavirus deaths and coronavirus cases. So it's not like he wants to do the work. It's not like he feels he has unfinished business. It's because he doesn't want to go to jail. Now, here's the thing about rich people in jail. They don't really go. And when they do go, they go for a very short time. Look up Leona and Harry Helmsley. Don't take my word for it. For all the crimes that they committed, all the taxes that they avoided, how much time did they really spend in jail? And then look up how long Wesley Snipes stayed in jail for tax evasion. Compare that, compare those two, okay? Rich people don't really go to jail. And when they do, they're in and then they're out. And that's it. Hell, when Jeffrey Epstein was in there for the first time, he basically wasn't really there because they, they allowed him to leave jail so he could work on his business. He basically was in jail on the weekends. It was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Rich guy. That's how he gets away with it, because he's rich and he has a lot of influence. So Donald Trump is not really going to go to jail. There's no, there's, even if even if uh, Southern State of New York bats a thousand on this, he's never going to see the inside of a jail cell. The thing that will stain him the most is just being a convicted felon. 
and just know, hey, you did these crimes and now we're finally gonna nail you to the wall for it. That's enough for him. Because as soon as he's not president, he doesn't have Bill Barr's protection anymore. He's out on his own. Also, Deutsche Bank is after him because now they're ready to seize his assets because he owes them like $450 million. What kind of a jackass lends Donald Trump $450 million? And then is surprised when he doesn't pay. You figure for all the money that him, Jared, Ivanka, Don Jr., you figure all the money they stole, that they grubbed while they were in the White House for these last four years, that won't even pay the interest on that loan. For all the, not just Deutsche Bank, but for all Donald Trump's debts, he's paying like $100 million a year in interest. Not just Deutsche Bank, all of his outstanding debts. So the money that they grubbed and stole won't even pay for a year of interest. So he actually made a pack, right? Oh, not, not a pack. Um, I apologize. He made a fund for um, his legal defense fund. Now you figure that somebody who, who liked that, that, uh, that meme said, if he's worth four and a half billion dollars, why can't you just pay for your own lawyers, right? Why you have to grub money from people to pay for your lawyers. But that's neither here nor there. The trick to Donald Trump's uh, legal defense fund is that if you donate less than $8,000, then that money gets split between Donald Trump's PAC, which is called the, the, the Save America PAC, and it gets split between the, the, uh, the RNC. So if you donate $500 to Donald Trump's uh, defense fund, so basically $300 of it would go to Save America PAC and then 200 of it would go to uh, the RNC. And they're gonna use those money to try and back Republican candidates. None of it goes to the defense fund. So here's a question, who has $8,000 to spend on Donald Trump's defense fund? What normal person has that money to just give to Donald Trump's defense fund? And here's the thing, it's everything over 8,000. So even if you donate 8,000, none of it's still gonna go to the fund. It's whatever is over 8,000 goes to the fund. There's nothing that Trump does that's not a scam. Even when he's breathing, it's a scam. Everything he does is a scam. But Donald Trump is testing the system. He's testing the boundaries of the system to see, hey, listen, how long can I pull this off? How long can I stay president? How long can I jam up Joe Biden and make sure that he can't undo the damage that I did for four years? How long is that? How long can he pull that off? And so far, it's going pretty well. Well, okay. I take that back. Not so well, because every time that they do lawsuits, the lawsuits keep getting thrown out of court for lack of evidence. So every time they try to, and every time they get questioned by a judge, it just immediately falls apart. 
they're like, okay, well, goodbye. And some of these law firms that have been working for Trump, they've been dropping their lawsuits on their own because they don't want to get disbarred. <laughs> they don't want to get disbarred and they don't want the negative reputation on their company for being a part of this. I almost thought this was The Onion. It's actually uh, Huffington Post. They were literally like, yeah, Trump's going to have Rudy Giuliani head his legal team now. Really? Rudy? The man who, who tried to, you know, go to the Four Seasons and end up being at a landscaping company next to a dildo shop? Rudy, who got, who got punked by Borat with his hand down his pants? He's, he's going he's gonna to lead your... Uh, your team for this uh, these legal challenges, huh? That's how you know that he's got nobody left in his corner. So half his kids want him to concede. The other half want him to keep going. So Ivanka is trying to get Trump to concede. Concede defeat. They're like, it's over, you know? Go out with some dignity. And then uh, Don Jr. and them are just like, nah, you should go for it. Because they're because they're getting clicks off this for their uh, you know for their show. The only way, and I'm going to say something really harsh is going to get us you know in a little bit of trouble, because you know you don't want you don't want harm to come to other people. But you ever watch those movies where like a samurai is disgraced, and then he has to like kill himself by like running himself through with his own sword? Uh, Harakiri, Japanese virtual suicide. I think that's Trump's only way out. Is just Japanese virtual suicide. He should just basically just do it just like the Japanese do in the movies, you know, get on his knees, you know, you know, do the thing where they put their, their Komodo down, <laughs> you know, and then just disembowel himself. And then if basically in some of the more extreme movies, let him disembowel himself and then just let Mike Pence just be behind him with a sword and just cut his head off. And then he would save his honor if he were to do that. Nothing else, I mean, because he botched his coup d'etat so badly, nothing else he does, there's no other way to go out with any sort of honor. What's he gonna do? All of a sudden now, now nah, Joe, you could have it. <laughs> there's nothing he could do now to not look like a jackass, not look like a spoiled brat, you know? Actually, to call him a spoiled brat, that's not even close to what he's being now. Because if your kid is acting out of Chuck E. Cheese, you know, Chuck E. Cheese is not going to close down. But Trump acting out, you figure if they don't have a new budget by uh, in, a, in a few weeks, government's going to shut down. There'll be no more money. You figure people need, people need a new stimulus package. Because if there's no new stimulus package, all those protections, like all like unemployment's about to run out. All the protections to keep people from getting evicted are about to run out. Some of them have already run out. And there are people being evicted. We're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving and there are people being evicted from their homes because they haven't been able to pay since April because they haven't been working. Do you know why coronavirus is so low in other countries? And yeah, they're getting, they're getting their spikes back and they knew that was gonna happen in the winter time. You know, they were warned that there was gonna be a bounce back in the winter because of coronavirus when things start to get cold again, you know? 
they they were told this and they were doing and they're a lot of countries are doing their best to, to counteract that but they pay people to stay home and then what do they do with that money they spend it so the money's still circulating throughout the economy now i'm pretty sure that somebody who knows a lot more than me about about economics maybe has a degree would probably say something different and that's fine but here's the thing the money circulates more when you give it to working class folks who have to pay bills, who have to buy stuff for their kids, who have to buy stuff to live, than giving it to some rich jackass who's just going to put it in his Cayman Islands account and take the money literally out of circulation. You know, I mean, Trump tried for a bloodless coup and he pretty much ended up with uh, being an even bigger laughing stock than he was when he lost. It was a good attempt, but the only way that he can get that stuff to the Supreme Court and get them on the side with a 6-3 majority is evidence, and there's no evidence. So he's basically just wasting time and just hurting democracy that he claims to love so much. So I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. But you figure... The next Trump that shows up is going to be 10 times worse. Because like I said, he's going to know how to read. He's going to know how to write. He's going to know how government works. And he's not going to know how to work the system much more effectively than Donald Trump does. Donald Trump knows how to motivate morons. But Donald Trump doesn't know how to work the system. He knows how to get rubes on his side. But that's about it. If someone like Tom Cotton, I mean, Tom Cotton has the has the personality of a bucket of rainwater. But you know what? He knows how to work the system. So he's going to be 10 times more dangerous than Trump. I don't know if uh, Tucker Carlson could do that. I mean, <laughs> you know, no one really likes Tucker like that. You know, I mean, Tucker Carlson always has that look on his face like he's in the elevator and he just smelled the fart. Like, uh -huh. like uh, just looking at it, he just has such a punchable face. He does. But I will say, well, I, I always, I always try to to end on something a little bit more positive. You know, I don't want to always go off on a rant and stuff like that. And we had a little discussion. And I wish Odie was here because uh, I rep I posted something on Facebook about cranberry sauce of all things and how somebody made a post about how they prefer canned cranberry sauce to, to freshly made cranberry sauce now let me ask you blue when you have thanksgiving dinner or any sort of dinner do you ever use cranberry sauce uh, no and plus i don't celebrate the holiday yeah my mom cooked everything from scratch except cranberry sauce it was always out of the can and to me, it was, it was just fine, you know? And when I go over to my friend's house for Thanksgiving, they actually make cranberry sauce. So they, you know, they get the fresh cranberries and they get everything together and, you know, they have the little flair to it and it's good. I like it either way, but I guess, you know, I figure it like this, my mom starts cooking for Thanksgiving the day before and it just goes into Thanksgiving, okay? 
So she probably, by the time it gets to the cranberry sauce, she's probably too tired to make cranberry sauce. So she's like, you know what? Let me just get my, let me get my bowl and open it up, put it in a bowl. <laughs> and it actually just slides out of the can, has all the can ridges on it, you know? But just like you, Blue, Odie doesn't eat cranberry sauce. She doesn't like it. I, I like cranberry sauce, but I do, I like I said, I eat it either way, but I guess for nostalgia reasons, I like it out of the can, you know? I can't even tell you what I use my cranberry sauce with. Cause some people like put it on certain things. I'll just, you know, I'll just, just eat the actual sauce, you know? And plus the way my mom would make the stuffing, she actually would like when she cooks the turkey, she puts the stuffing inside the turkey and it cooks with the turkey and it's absolutely delicious, you know? But I got a few minutes to spare and I'll, and, and you know, for once, I don't think I anything else to talk about. Blue, did you have anything else on your mind? No, I'm amazingly fatigued today. Yeah, it, it's, it's just been a tiring, election season we're just exhausted out here you know we just want donald trump to go away so we'll see but mr blue play us off sir if you haven't already please subscribe to the urban breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as politics with mercer prescott and his band of eclectic cronies available on all streaming platforms except iHeartRadio, which gets the lowest amount of podcast listeners anyway. <laughs> you can listen via flip phone or home phone at 1-857-385-7045. That's the Urban Breakdown Podcast. Yeah. Yeah.